Elisa Weilerstein performed Samuel Barber's cello concerto with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra this weekend. Then she's off to France to play Edward Elgar's iconic concerto in March. Later in March, she returns to Michigan to perform all of Beethoven's cello and piano sonatas. I caught up with Elisa Weilerstein yesterday to talk Beethoven, Bach, and Barber. I think in all of Barber's music, you can characterize it by um, by saying that it has a kind of innocence about it. This The cello concerto definitely still has this. He can never really fully get rid of it, but it's much grittier. And I actually find far more interesting um, with a far greater emotional range mm-hmm. than um, some of the other... <laughs> I mean, the, the violin concerto as uh, as an example. And I love the violin concerto dear, dearly, but this is um, the cello concerto just is really, uh, there's a lot of um, stuff to unpack. Like concertos also, I was doing a little research about the piece, in some ways the story of uh, Raya Garbusova yes. too. And it's kind of an interesting story between this great cellist uh, from Russia, who mm-hmm. came to the United States mm-hmm. and her relationship with Barber and how he got to know her. Yeah, yeah. Rostropovich was really the dominant uh, cellist of that time, and, and especially coming from the Soviet Union, um, and the muse for the composers of his time, I mean, Shostakovich, Prokofiev, and so many others, and Britain, Britain of course, as you, um, as you were saying. Um, Barber, generally speaking, had relationships with, uh, with female cellists. In fact, I mean, uh, with, with Raya Garbusova, as well as Zara Nelsova, who, with whom I studied, actually, uh, when I was a small child. And um, Raya Garbusova also, also happens to be the grandmother of Jonathan Biss, who's a great friend of mine. Listening to the to the recordings of <laughs> Raya Garbusova playing this, this is, it's just just amazing playing. And um, he was, you know, he was unbelievably inspired by what she could do on the cello. And at the time, and, and still now, actually, it's, it's considered one of the most difficult, technically, um, uh, concertos to play uh, for, for cello. Um, I think only the Prokofiev Symphonia Concertant is considered on that kind of level, and that this this might even surpass it in terms of the gymnastics that uh, that the composer is requiring of, of the cello. So I I, I thought that was a, a nice touch in a yeah. way that I'm- he that he really pushed her to the limits. Elgar time coming up in a few weeks and Pincher (laughs) uh, coming up in uh, in France. Mm -hmm. Elgar, of course, is a piece that is such a central part of of every cellist who really studies the instrument. You've Mm -hmm. called it a piece that's very dear to you for so many, many reasons Mm -hmm. and so many, many connections. What have you learned about the piece most recently? Oh, I've been playing this piece since I was 12 and uh, have worked with, you know, I'm extremely grateful to have worked with unbelievable uh, mentors and, and, and conductors on, on, on this piece. Yeah. It's interesting because I, um, I recently played this piece with the London Symphony uh, about two months ago, and it was the first time I'd played it in about a year and a half, which is a very, very long time 
for, for me to put Elgar away. Yeah. Because uh, for a while, especially after the recording with, with Maestro Barnboy came out, um, and of course I studied this piece with him in great, great detail, and I learned from him more more than from almost anyone, I think. And um, I was playing it, you know, maybe every couple of weeks or something, and um, it was really, I think, very important for me to have a kind of pause from it and to be not really thinking about it and um, doing a ton of other repertoire, um, basically everything else um, from, you know, 21st century new music to um, you know to Bach and of course I've been I've been doing um, a lot of performances of all, all six Bach suites in 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 one um, in the past three years and so when I came back to it uh, in December I just uh, I found myself I don't know kind of uh, reacting to markings in a very uh, you know very different way as if I'd been in in a tunnel and then came out the other side and. Um, you know, I I haven't listened to a recording of that performance back to back with the, you know, with previous times, but I I'm quite sure it was quite different. <laughs> It's nice in a way when that happens when you feel kind of osmosis of all the all the amazing information I, you know, you've gotten and and kind of synthesized, you know, yeah. A few years ago, uh, I think you also said you wanted to do more commissioning in mm. in, in the next few years and and yeah, to play Bach yeah. in public more. Why did <laughs> Why did you say that? Uh, well, I've done both of those things, so that's right. good that yeah, I, I, that. I I got those goals nice. uh, done. Yes, yeah. uh, but. Um, those were two things. Well, the commissioning, I just felt like I really needed to do more of, and I was very curious about what was out there. And, um, you know, I'm happy to say that, I mean, I also have some really interesting conversations now going on with wonderful composers for, for future commissions. And um, Matthias Pincher wrote me a fantastic concerto sort of Pascal du Sapin, mm. um, extremely different languages, and I could not be more different from the other, but um, both fantastic pieces, which I was really, really happy to play. And with and to do with the Bach, it was it was something that I had been really afraid of for a lo- for a very long time. Um, why? Why? <laughs> because it's um, it's one of you know it's it's the arguably the greatest music, uh, so pure, so sublime, so emotionally um, poignant, and and yet so intellectually perfect in a way. Um, so you you feel like you have to play them, but you can never do them justice. And so that was uh, why. I, I, I studied them a lot in private. I would play maybe one suite at a time in public. But then I started playing, uh, doing concerts with um, all six suites. Right. So it was a three-hour program. Um, and I started doing that quite regularly, actually, um, about three years ago. And so I just did now um, in, at the Elf Philharmonie in, um, in the big hall in, in Hamburg. Um, I did it in, in Jordan Hall in Boston. And um, and most recently at the in Barcelona. I mean, I've, I've done it now. In many many places, and it's um, yeah, it's. Uh, what was it like when you first started tackling that? 
you mean when I when I first yeah, played them? You first do all six. All when six. You did all six. Oh, it was it was terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> it was really terrifying. Yeah. But um, but at the same time, I did I did it because I felt like I was ready to start doing it. Um, and I and I thought you know that this is me in my in my mid in my mid thirties, and this is who I am now. And of course, this is going to evolve. But this is me at my current stage of life, and uh, and I've been living with these pieces for a long time, and it's time to share them. Elisa Wallerstein performs with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra this weekend. Samuel Barber's Cello Concerto, also on the, on the program, by the way, is Beethoven Symphony Number no. 6, The Pastoral. Uh, you'll return to Michigan later in March to start a tour of all the Beethoven yes. piano and cello sonatas, or right. cello piano sonatas. Well, uh, piano and cello sonatas, uh, maybe. <laughs> however you want to approach <laughs> sure. that. Uh, which, whichever ones you're talking about, it's maybe, true. I think. It's you know. true. The first two, definitely right. piano and cello. He starts then the off, last three, maybe yeah. cello and piano. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, he starts off with a couple of them in the, in the 1790s. He's yeah. well into the 1800s when he composes that middle one, which uh, one music writer said he used fewer notes with confidence. Mm -hmm. And uh, I read where uh, Stephen Isserlis Mm -hmm. uh, said something like um, it it was the first, he thought it was one of the first cello piano sonatas with equal partnership. One of the first ones. Probably, yes. I think that's true. And then you have, like you say, four and five. How do these pieces kind of reflect the arc of Beethoven's composing life? Can well, it's a it's that? a very good snapshot into into that. I mean, of course, the, the first sonata in particular is very sort of quintessential early Beethoven, very uh, classical. Yep. At the same time, it's unmistakably Beethoven. I mean, he, there there are, there are plenty of rules that he breaks. I mean, that the form I mean, it's a very strange form, only two movements, um, and uh, you know you have the strength and the fire in the in the music, um, and yet with a very classical language. The last. Sonata, um, Opus Opus One or Two, number number two, is really um, the gateway into late Beethoven, um, with the most poignant second uh, second movement and the last movement with uh, this wild fugue that could have been written yesterday. Um, really, really wild language, and uh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're nodding. <Yeah. laughs> it's uh, you know, it's a wild world. It is absolutely wild and wonderful. Elisa Wallerstein performs with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra this weekend, Barber's Cello Concerto, and we look forward to your return to Michigan on March 28th at the Seligman Center for Performing Arts with all the Beethoven Sonatas. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me. For WRCJ, this is Peter Worf. Thank mm-hmm. you.